Did you notice uh, what we sang there? We sang, whatever may pass, and whatever lies before me, whatever happens, let me sing God's praise. It's quite a thing to sing, isn't it? That true? I want to talk about that. But first, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. I ask you to speak over me while I speak to them. Do this for your glory and their good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we talk about whatever happens to us, Singing God's praise, uh, we're going to talk about gap time. So gap time is when you're in the gap between what was and what will be. I think it will be really the most helpful for you if you can identify a time in your life when you were in the gap between what was and what will be. And so to help you think about a time in your life when you're in the gap, or maybe you're in the gap right now, and I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the gap that you might be in right now as we read David's story. I think it'd be helpful for me to talk about a gap in my life um, to help you think about your life. So several years ago, when I was in seminary, uh, Cheyenne and I were fairly newlyweds. We'd been married for a couple years, and maybe I'm going to guess wrong, but we were married for a little bit, and uh, I was finishing up college and uh, on my way into seminary and um, working through the master's degree there, uh, we found out that Cheyenne was pregnant, and what that meant was I had to get a haircut and a real job, and so I was working as an intern in a church. I applied for the full-time position that was the youth pastor in that church. I got turned down. And so I was working for a church, and I hoped I would work for a church in the future. But there is a gap, because I had to finish school, so there's the options for working at a church were very limited, and... I had to have full-time income, and I had to have health insurance because, because of our life situation. So I tell you what, that was a really hard time because I felt like I, stepping away from the ministry, hoping to get back to the ministry someday, I'm like, I have just, I, may, I might never get a job in the church. It's easier to get a job in a church if you already have a job in a church. And so to go back to being a janitor, when I'm working on my master's degree to be a pastor, was a really hard time. I really didn't want to do it. In fact, you've seen this before if you've been with us for a while, but I felt like, you know, I had followed the Lord in the ministry. I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I knew that I didn't want to be a pastor, in fact. So I wanted to do anything but be a pastor. And I really felt like the Lord had 
led me to the pastorate. And then this was a season of life where, you know, I, I wasn't working for a church anymore. I hoped I would work for a church someday. But this was a season of life where I was just, I didn't know what would happen. And I really felt like the Lord had turned away from me and left me for dead. You ever been in the gap? Feel like the Lord has turned away from you and left you with, it really feels complicated, it really feels out of control, it's exhausting, and you really don't know where you're going to land. You ever feel like that? It'd be helpful for you to think about where, you know, how you've experienced that or how you are experiencing that as we read about David experiencing this. Now, now David was, if you haven't been with us for a while, David was golden boy. David was exalted above his brothers and anointed king. David was a war hero and a rock star rolled into one. As he killed Goliath, and so everybody's singing his praises, and he is the court, you know, he plays the guitar for Saul, and so he's like a rock star, and like he is... He is part of the royal family now and because he's earned his spot in the royal family instead of just being born into it as he um, kills a bunch of Philistines to earn that spot and then gets to marry the king's daughter. He, everything was going really great and he was living in the palace. Now the day will come when he will be in the palace again. He will be Golden boy, he will be king, but not right now. Right now, he's running for his life. So let's read about this. Here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? So Ahimelech must know about how the king hates David. The king hates David because the king knows that God has chosen David to be king, and so the king, King Saul, his father-in-law, is trying to kill him. Why are you alone and no one with you? Okay, so one of the ways you know that you're probably not handling the gap well is if you start lying. Watch David lie through this. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with a matter. Not saying what it is, it's just a matter, it's top secret, doesn't matter, it's a matter. The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you. Really important matter, really important, it matters. And with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. You know, it's really specific, I've made an appointment with them, they're a long ways away. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever is here. It's a really important matter, so urgent, I didn't have time to grab anything. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David said to the priest, of course they have kept themselves from women. They're young men, they always do that. Truly the women have been kept from us, as always, when I go on an expedition. Yes, it's an urgent matter, we have been kept from women. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more will their vessels be holy? You know, 
right now, today. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Dog the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. This is foreshadowing for what will happen next week. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not a spear or a sword at hand? He's like, look, it's a really, really important matter. We've kept ourselves from women because this is a really important matter, but it's so urgent I didn't have time to grab a weapon. Now, are you starting to see how, like, how did you have time to keep yourself from women but not have time to grab your sword? You seeing how this David is good at some things, but lying is not one of them. Uh, For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because of the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will, take that. If you will take that, take it. For there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. So, so what's it like when you're in the gap between what was and what will be? What's it like? I think if you're David, you'd say it, it gets complicated. You know, when you find yourself lying to priests, You know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, but it's complicated. And, and you, might, you might have lived this. You might have experienced this when you're in a relationship where you were married and you hope to be married again, but right now you're in this weird middle where it's complicated. You might be in a relationship where you were happy in this relationship, And you hope you're happy again in this relationship. But right now you're in this weird middle where it's complicated. What's it like in the gap that you live in? Is it complicated? And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Hey, who else was from Gath? Goliath. Whose sword did David just take? Goliath. I tell you, swords didn't come off an assembly line back then. Every sword was custom made. Goliath was their hero. Do you think that anybody would recognize Goliath's sword? went to Achish, the king of Gath, and the servants of Achish said to him, I think I know that guy. Is this, you know, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Like, isn't this our enemy? What is he doing? And David took these words to heart. I guess so. And was much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. 
look, the gaps can be scary places. So he charged his, so he changed his behavior before them. You know that you always know you're in a compromising position when you change your behavior before others. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands. Like, like make no mistake, they're in charge and David is not at this point. Maybe David felt like he was gaining control of the situation by running to Gath because Saul would never think to look for him in Gath. But things got out of control really fast. And they pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate. You know, not a lot of dignity in scratching the door of the gate. And let his spittle run down his beard. Probably not David's finest hour. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And, of course, he expels him, and David escapes. Not the most glamorous of escapes, but later on, David will thank God for delivering him from that situation. If you ask, if you ask David, what's it, what's it like in the gap? What's it like between when you were golden boy, and you were in the, in the palace, to when you'll be in the palace again? What's it, what's it like in the gap? I think David would say it's complicated. I also think he'd say it's out of control. You really come face to face with how little control you have over life when you're in the gap. You know, David, I, I don't know what else to call this uh, decision to go to Gath. You know, maybe it's motivated by fear. Maybe it's motivated by he thinks he can do anything. I, I don't know what it's motivated by. But I have, to, I have to categorize this as high-risk behavior. And maybe you've participated in some high-risk behavior. And you're involved with the courts now. And you're realizing just how out of control you are. You felt like life was under control. You hope life is under control again. But right now, things are really out of control. Welcome to the gap. You know, there's other times when it's just not under your control. It's, it's not about decisions you've made. I think of sometimes when we were healthy, we hope we'll be healthy again. But we get a diagnosis, and right now we're living in this strange, dangerous, out-of-control, risky place of just hoping, waiting, 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 knowing that we're not in control. What's it like in the gap? Well, it's complicated, and it's out of control. So David departed from there. Watch, now watch, them, watch how many times the arrow moves on the map here. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Caves are cool to visit, but I'm not sure I'd want to live in one. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard of it, they went down there to join him. Now watch, watch the group that surrounds themselves to David. Everyone who was in distress, 
and everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is bitter in soul gathered to him. So now David is not just running for his own life. Now he's responsible for his family and for everyone who is in debt, everyone who is in distress, and everyone who is bitter in soul. And he became commander over them. And, and just, this is free, but I just have to think that God is growing David as a leader right now. Because if he can lead them, he can lead anybody. And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you. Now this, he may have chosen Moab because his great-grandma was from Moab. If you look at the end of the book of Ruth, David's great-grandma was from Moab, and so that might be why he drops his father and mother off at Moab. Maybe they have relatives they can stay with there. Till I know what God will do for me. Like, I don't know what God's going to do while I'm in this terrible gap. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. So David has moved again from Moab. Now we think to the stronghold, which we think is at Masada, south of Jerusalem. And the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold. Oh, I just got to the stronghold. Do not remain in the stronghold, but depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Herod. What's it like in the gap, David? I think David would say, well, it's complicated. You know, you find yourself doing stuff that you'd never thought you'd do. I think he'd say it's out of control because you find yourselves in, yourself in situations you never thought you'd be in. And I think he'd say it is utterly exhausting. You're always on the move and you're never getting anywhere. You're moving from one spot to the other. You're always moving and never arriving. I think he'd say it's exhausting. It's kind of like when you were gainfully employed. You hope you're gainfully employed again. But right now, you're just applying, 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 and not getting anywhere. So what gap do you find yourself in? Where were you? Where do you hope you'll end up? And what are you going through right now? As David talks about this, you get the sense that it's complicated, it's out of control, it's exhausting. But he also writes, so I mentioned in the beginning we'd be looking at Psalm 142. And if, if you have your Bible open to that, if you could flip there now. Psalm 142. David, I think, I think that he would say it's complicated, it's out of control, exhausting. But that's not the worst part. That's really not the worst part. I think he'd say absolutely the worst part of it is, well, look with me at Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4 says, Look to the right and see there is no one who takes notice of me. Like, 
No one sees. No one even notices me. Here he is leading 400 men. Oh, by the way, I was going to point out, look at the very top of Psalm 142. And this is a masculine, which is probably a musical note of David when he was in the cave. So either David wrote this about the time he was in the cave of Adullam or someone wrote this about David when he was in the cave of Adullam. But this is about that time in his life. This is about David's time in the gap when he, between when he was in the palace, when he will be back to the palace. This is about this gap. And what David says in verse 4 of this psalm is, look to the right and see, there is no one who takes notice of me. Listen to this. This is, this is the best part. No refuge remains to me. Like, there is no safe place at all. I'm always on the move. I'm never getting anywhere. I run here, and I'm out of control. I run there, and it's complicated. It's this exhausting, perilous, and above all, lonely place to be. Because he says at the end of verse 4, No one cares for my soul. What's it like in the gap, Dave? It's lonely because there is no refuge and no one cares. What's it like in the gap for you? How would you summarize your experience? David says there's no refuge and no one cares. No one notices. So what's the truth about God that we can trust when we're in the gap? Well, look at the next verse. David writes in Psalm 142, verse 5, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You see the connection there? David's like, this is, this is how it is. This is how it feels. No one notices. I have no refuge and no one cares. And then the very next verse, he says what he knows is true about God. But you are my refuge. I know how I feel and I know what's true. The Lord is my refuge. Look, if there's one, if there's one key truth about God that I'd want you to have as you go through whatever gap you're going through. If there's one truth about God I'd want you to hold on to, it's that God is your refuge. This is what you have to have. God is my refuge. I can trust God to be there for me. It may feel for all the world like God has turned his back on me. But indeed, no matter how I feel, God is my refuge. And God is who I can trust when I can't trust anybody else. The Lord is my refuge. This is David's word about God. When he's in the gap. The Lord is my refuge. And the Lord is your refuge. So, so what should we do? 
You know, like when you're in the gap, what should you do? The first, the first step I'd, I really want you to think about is when, when things are really complicated. So in a relationship, like it was good. I hope it will be good again. But right now, it's really, really complicated. What can happen between you and your significant other or you and your friend, or you and your spouse. I mean, what can happen in a human relationship is, when it gets really complicated, you can turn away from each other and say, well, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to protect myself and turn away from you, and so I don't have to deal with this anymore. This is what we do with each other, and this is what we do with God. We turn away. And I'm inviting you to do just the opposite of that. I'm inviting you when you are in the gap and things are really complicated to instead of taking things into your own hands and lying and making things more complicated, that you would turn to the Lord. This, this, is, this is the physical picture of what I'd like you to consider doing is Instead of turning away from the Lord because you're mad because the circumstances aren't what you want them to be, to turn to the Lord and, and pursue him because, after all, he has turned towards you pursuing you. After all, he is your refuge and you have no other. Turn to the Lord. No matter how complicated it gets, turn to the Lord. When things seem out of control, and, and really they will sometimes, they will seem out of control, what is easy for you to do, either internally or externally, is to complain about our circumstances and thereby turn away from God because we complain about our circumstances to other people. We complain about our circumstances to God. We complain and we complain and we complain. We can do that in a human level. We can complain about our spouse. We can complain about our friends. We can complain about our jobs to other people and thereby turn away from them. And let me ask you, does this help solve the relational issues when we're mad at her or we're mad at him and instead of saying, here's what's wrong and complaining to them, we turn away from them and complain to other people. Will that solve the relationship? I mean, you know it won't. You know it will be like adding poison to the relationship. So what I'm inviting you to do is to turn to the Lord and tell the Lord what's wrong. So if you look at Psalm 142, verse 2, the psalmist writes, I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. This is what probably David says that he does when things are really, really out of control, really, really complicated. What He says, what I have to do is I have to turn towards God and pour out my complaint to him. Not to do that is to pour poison and bitterness into the relationship. I had a friend going through a really, really hard time. And he was really nervous 
Um, he's really nervous about losing, losing faith. And I told him, the Lord's chest is big enough and strong enough to beat against. He can handle how you feel. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you're going through. This is what David says. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. Turn to him. Tell him what is wrong. Tell him what you're going through. And then ask for help. Ask the Lord to help you with whatever you're going through. So a lot of times when we go through really hard stuff, like David did here, when David is going through it and things are really out of control, really desperate, really complicated, and really exhausting, what we can do is turn away from the Lord and say, all right, well, the Lord's not working. I have to figure this out in my strength. And this is where what David models for us throughout the Psalms, and in Psalm 142 in particular, is asking for help. Ask the Lord for help. You need strength beyond yourself when you're in the gap, in a complicated, out-of-control, exhausting gap. That is not time for you to pull away from God and do things in your own strength. It's time to turn towards God, tell him what's wrong, and ask for help. And finally, finally what I, you know, if I was sitting across the table from David and David is like, you know, telling me like I was lying to priests and then I made this really high risk decision and I went to Gath and the Lord delivered me. It wasn't pretty, but the Lord delivered me and I got out of Gath even after I was drooling on my beard and there's still scratches on the doors where I was like it was ugly but the Lord delivered me, and, and then I went to this cave, and I was hanging out in this cave, and then I, you know, my parents and my brother came, brothers came to me, and I was in charge of them, and then everyone that was in despair, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was bitter in soul, they all came to me, and then I had to take care of them, and then I've been on the move ever since, and never really getting anywhere, and I'm just so tired. And I feel like there is no safe place, like no one cares, like I have no refuge. If David was sitting across from me, I would say, David, David, God is your refuge. You can trust him to show up for you. You can trust him to be with you. He's the one He's the one that was hanging on the cross, dying for your sins. And he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that he could keep his promise to never leave you nor forsake you. So that he could forgive your sins. So that he could Share himself with you in the person of his Holy Spirit. This is the God that you can trust to be with you. And whatever you're going through, and whatever gap you're in, 
turn to him and trust him. But what about you? What gap are you in? Where were you? Where do you hope to go? Where are you now? What are you going through? Turn to the Lord. He is your refuge. And truly, you have no other. He is trustworthy. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd pull us towards yourself and that we would come to trust you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I, I, I pray for those of us in the gap right now that are not where we were and we're not where we're going. We're just, we're just kind of wandering. Lord, that you would pull us, pull us towards yourself today. Pull us one step closer. In Jesus' name, amen.